listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome to season number four of Windy City Slam Podcast and episode number 152 this week, we're going to recap AAW's Red Hot Unstoppable Show, where we have a new AAW Pro Women's Champion. Plus, we're going to preview a big weekend in the Chicagoland area, including Rocket Pro Wrestling, POW Entertainment, True Privilege Wrestling, and a lot more. And our special guest for this week, you've seen his work for promotional posters for several wrestling organizations in the Chicagoland area, in the Midwest, and even beyond. We welcome, for the first time on the show, Derek Sharp of Curtain Jerker Designs. And we're going to get right into it after this on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. Wrestling fans often talk about psychology in the squared circle. But what about your individual psychology and mental health? The counselors at True Heights Treatment offer in-person or virtual appointments. To learn more, Go to www.trueheightstx.com or give them a call at 708-248-7039. My name is Storm Grayson and I'm your freelance underground independent champion and you're listening to the Windy City Slam podcast. Welcome back to Windy City Slam and Happy New Year everybody. So, the last few months right here on Windy City Slam have been really fruitful. And special thanks to all of our listeners and our supporters. We've had some of the best months we've ever had. And in fact, the month of December, we had the most downloads ever. And it wasn't even close. Thank you so much to the great guests. And thanks again to the supporters. And in fact, over the last few months... We've had our top two episodes of all time, including Scott Spade and Billy Whack. Plus, we've also had some great numbers from Trevor Outlaw and Project Monix. So once again, thanks to all those great guests and our supporters. All right, this past weekend, AAW Pro's Unstoppable Friday night, December the 30th at the Logan Square Auditorium on the north side of Chicago. Big show, red hot crowd. Let's get into it. The AAW Tag Team Championships saw Josh C. and Calvin Tankman establish themselves and win the tag team titles over Trey Miguel and Zachary Wentz. Now, Josh C. and Tankman were actually defending the titles for the last few shows. Jossie's original partner, ACH, kind of left the company, hasn't been around, so Tankman filled in, but AAW wanted a fresh start, and Jossie and Tankman proved themselves to be worthy champions after the title was made vacant, and now they are your AAW Tag Team Champions. And then we had the swag champ, Ren Jones, pinning Braden Lee after a flying elbow. And in an intense, hard-hitting affair, former AAW Champion Fred Yehai defeats Stiff Robo Ginger Gary J by technical submission after a series of rabbit punches. And then we had the Chi-Town Rumble, and your winner... Masha Slamovich. She last eliminated Ace Austin to win the 25-person Rumble. We had all kinds of folks in this one. We had Trevor Outlaw. We had Storm Grayson. We had other women from the area as well. A really fun match. And Masha Slamovich earns a title shot sometime in the next year. But as we will see, she did not wait very long. Second half of the show started with the AAW Heritage Championship where Davey Vega defended the title by pinning Crash Jackson and Crash Jackson was replacing Levi Everett who couldn't make it to the show and this was following a Hardenbauer low blow and a double stomp. 
And then your AAW Women's Championship match, last week's Windy City Slam podcast guest, Sierra, finally got her one-on-one championship match against Christy James, the champion. But Sierra kind of got a raw deal. She got attacked before the bell. Christy James DDT'd Sierra on the outside, busted her open. Her face was covered in blood. Her boyfriend, Joey Avalon, was out there, and Sierra gave it all she got, but Unfortunately, again, raw deal. Christy Janes won after about six minutes to defend the title. Then, Masha Slamovich comes out, cashes in her opportunity, and in under a minute, she pins Christy Janes after a Russian death drop, and she wins the championship. So, Masha Slamovich is your new AAW Pro Women's Champion. And in your main event, a brutal battle saw the champion, Jake Something, retain the title over Mance Warner. AAW returns in February to where it all started, the Berwyn Eagles Club, so stay tuned for that. Coming up this week in local professional wrestling, Friday and Saturday night, we have Premier Pro Wrestling presenting two shows, two TV tapings up in Woodstock. And now on to the big Saturday in Chicagoland Professional Wrestling, Saturday, January the 7th, Rocket Pro Wrestling presents Resolution at St. Joe's Park in Joliet for the Rocket Pro Tag Team Championships, Those Damn Coyotes, Damian DeShane and Wicked Side Brooks Berna, who won the opportunity back in November. They take on the champions, the fabulous idols of Rockstar Johnny Nye and Damian Gray. And then this match... Eric Schultz, the legal counsel for general manager Damian Saint, takes on the Rocket to the Top briefcase winner, Dreambreaker Aaron Stone. And what will GM Damian Saint have in store for Aaron Stone? I'm thinking a lot of chicanery here. Rocket Pro Chicagoland Championship, and speaking of unfair, this is a triple threat match. The Amazing Turtle challenges the champion, Ruthless Rockin' Rivera, as well as Rivera's Fabulous Idols partner, Kevin Cade. Kind of unfair. And then we had a tag team match, the Kings of the Six, Skylar Reed and Devin August, taking on Rion Skills and Maximus Orion. And in what could be the show stealer of this event, the red-hot Gunner Brave takes on all-day Marche Rocket and Gunner Brave has been on absolute fire the last six to eight months, not only in Rocket Pro Wrestling as the Outer Limits champion, but as well as Freelance Underground. And obviously, Marche Rocket is Marche Rocket. And then we have The Ryan Matthews taking on The Boomstick, 12-gauge. Fatal 4-way match, and this should actually be really good as well. Sabotage Sean Logan, Jake Painter, Wild Child Connor Hopkins, and Shogun. Chris Logan, that's going to be awesome. And then your main event, the Rocket Pro Championship, those damn coyotes, old evil Christian Rose, the former Rocket Pro Champion, takes on the newly crowned champion, Quinn Wittick. Moving on, also Saturday night, January the 7th, POW Entertainment presents Road to Slam Fest at the American Legion Drop Zone Bar up in Fox Lake. Main event is your POW Heavyweight Championship, Special Enforcer, Psychotic Jimmy Blaze, and we have Bearded Bruiser Max Holiday defending the title against Hunter Payne. The POW Midwest Championship, and this should be a really good match of styles as well. We have the Macabre Kazile defending the title against It's Your Boy, Mason Perks, and the Fat Femme Asian Sensation, Mateo Valentine. And for your POW Tag Team Championship, the champions, the Irish Pub Army, take on the brand new team to POW Entertainment, Punitive Damages. And as announced last week on Windy City Slam Podcast, Sierra takes on Nikki Nix. And then we have the Bruiser Mass Index taking on Trog the Caveman and Moondog Murray. In singles action, we have Scott Spade with Tiny and Mistress Misery, facing the Masked Marauder. And then we also have Tommy McCobb against Eric Freedom. Saturday night, January the 7th, True Privilege Wrestling makes its return with Full Circle 4 at the Maywood Park District in Maywood. 
Your main event is a five-way scramble where the winner will be able to challenge for whatever title he chooses. We have Marche Rocket, Acid Jazz, Leo LaFleur, Rockin' Rivera, and Miles Mercer. True Privilege Heavyweight Championship, we have Mike Strong defending against Classic Alpha. True Privilege Tag Team Champions, The Empire, face the challengers of CJ Law and Alan Rivera. For the True Privilege Women's Championship, the champion K.O. Kendra defends against Vega Venom. And then in singles action, we have Troy Storm versus Daniel Alonzo. And in a match that could steal the night over at True Privilege, the young Xavier Sky against the veteran Just Amazing. And then we also have TJ Stacks versus Kenny Nine. In addition, this Saturday night, up in the Milwaukee area, we have ICW Milwaukee's Violet New Year at the bar in West Allis. And friend of Windy City Slam, High Five Tom, will be in attendance, and we hope to hear from him at some point, whether it's the podcast or WindyCitySlam.com for a recap of that loaded show. And then, Saturday night the 7th, we have Game Changer Wrestling presenting a show at Talia Hall in Chicago in Pilsen. And if you can't make that show, that will be on Fight TV+. And Sunday, January 8th, Golly Lucha Libres at the Golly Studios in Villa Park. All right, in mere moments, our special guest, Derek Sharp of Curtain Jerker Designs. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Maven, former WWE superstar, season one, tough enough winner. Make sure you catch Windy City Slam podcast wherever podcasts are available. So Windy City Slam, check it out. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email Mike Pankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. Brand new SSW Tag Team Champion, the Punk Rock Prince, Jordan Cross, here live at the Broad Stop in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And you are checking out my best friends over at Windy City Slam Podcast. Mike Pankow, you are the man. Make sure to subscribe, like, follow, share, and everything else. And you can follow me at The Jordan Cross. I am the Punk Rock Prince. Thank you. All right, back here on Windy City Slam podcast this week. You've seen his work on promotional posters for several wrestling organizations in and around Chicagoland, the Midwest, and even way beyond but he also has an in-ring past in the wrestling business. We welcome for the very first time, Derek Sharp of Curtain Jerker Designs. Derek, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I'm not going to lie, this was on the bucket list. Uh, you know, like you said uh, in the pre, pre-talk, we had been talking, you know, years back, and uh, I'm really glad to be able to, to get on here. All my freelance family has at one point been on here, so... I think it's only fitting that the guy that does all the free, freelance flyers and all that good stuff hop on here and tell you what's going on with me. Yeah, we've had a lot of freelance guests on the show, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, just about everyone. I'm like, ah, like this is not fair. And I listen to them all because I support, you know, the companies I work for uh, so much so that I hardly ever watch anything else um, outside of, you know, an occasional dark or occasional you know AEW stuff or you know even raw smackdown if uh i have i have my one friend that's still watching they're like hey did you see this and then i feel like i'm uh to keep up with the conversation forced to watch some stuff and definitely when i've had people that uh done stuff for wwe stuff like that I've, i've paid attention to what they're doing and all that good stuff so so curtain jerker designs tell me the story of how you got into designing graphics for wrestling companies it's a crazy ride. Um, I'm a bit older of a, a wrestling fan. Uh, I was born in 75. So my be. age uh, isn't friendly to those of you who wanted to get into wrestling. It's not as easy as it is today. But, uh, I, you know, I was a lifelong fan. Uh, been a fan through, through Thick and Thin. And then um, 
back in 2004, my brother passed away and I kind of had that uh, midlife crisis. What am I doing? Reevaluating my situation kind of thing. And uh, I decided I wanted to give wrestling a shot. Uh, by 2004, it was still really a guarded situation, but it was a little bit easier up here. Um, I fell in with some guys that were starting a company. I started training. Uh, I got to leapfrogs and drop kicks and was like, nope, I'm out. I can't. Uh, I, I, I think I drop kicked a guy in his kneecap one time. That was great. Um, but, you know, they showed I showed that I was going to be there every day. I showed that I was going for a purpose. Uh, it was a reason. It wasn't just, you know, a guy who wanted to be in wrestling. It was a guy who was trying to find his way. And the wrestling family really opened their doors. Uh, the promoter was like, hey, we need a ref. We're getting we're going to get the ball rolling here with some shows. Would you like the spot? And I'm like, you know what? I, I would love the spot. And um, away we went from 2005, 2006 to around 2012. Mm -hmm. I refed everywhere. Everywhere, uh, everywhere imaginable. We we made it out to Texas, North Carolina, you know, all the local Midwest areas. But um, it really just, you know, any booking we could. There was weekends where we did three three days in a row. Um, so at the end of it all, I was close to nine hundred matches. I did more than anybody expected, um, and you know, made connections, made some great people on the road, and, you know, all that kind of kind of good stuff. But also while I was doing all that i started slowly teaching myself how to do graphics for my home company um you know wrestling is very diy so you know learning how to do that stuff to so that the company saves money on things um it really put me in the good graces of, of the owner and the promoter and all that uh you know all the people that work for him were like hey you know this guy is dependable this guy is, is going to help us out with things i self-taught myself uh photoshop i self-taught myself uh basic html we were one of the first companies in the Midwest to have a website. Um, I taught myself enough video editing to put out our DVDs. Um, I helped run a blog talk. Remember blog talk radio? Oh my uh, gosh, that's we're going way back. Back in the day, we had our own blog talk radio show. Um, I, I had the foresight then to see that you know social media was going to be a big thing. Uh, I had, we had a company, MySpace page, uh, if I'm dating wow. myself. Yeah, so... <laughs> You know, I was the one who was always in the forefront of like pushing social and, and trying new ideas and doing things. Um, so as I was on the road, I'd work for a company and I'd start doing the flyers. And then it got to a point where I honestly was wasting more money on gas and my part of travel uh, than I was taking home. So uh, after, you know, 2012, after 900 plus matches and working with some people in as a ref, being in the ring with people where I've had to pinch myself and go, hey, like, I was a fan of this guy as a kid. And now to be in the ring with a person like that, you know, just, you know, blew my mind. And it was more than I expected. So I took myself off the road and uh, I put a post and I was like, hey, I'm doing this full time. You know, don't book me for refing, uh, refing things anymore. And uh, away we went. That was 2012. And uh, May 9th of this year was 10 years. And it some days feels like it's gone by that quickly. But, and then some days I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> it's a little more demanding than, than needed. But I mean, it's pro wrestling. It's what we all love. It's the reason why you're doing this and I'm doing this. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. And it has been a blast. Pretty amazing stuff. So self-taught guy, you were kind of doing it on the side for the promotions you were working for. And then it just grew from there. It did. It grew. And like I said, uh, we we're talking earlier uh nick from freelance is the the guy that's been most influential in my growth and development and really um where this all kind of started from uh years back before freelance was a thing <clears throat> nick ran a show at his school uh at college and he was like hey man i i know you do some some graphics on the side would you mind putting together this flyer for me and he's like, it's a one-time thing. You know, it's it's going to be fun. We're just doing it at school. It was just him and Craig and some of the the OG freelance guys. And, you know, they put on the show and then they were like, hey, like, we're going to find this. We found this building. We're going to start running these shows at the Abbey. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm down. So, like, mm -hmm. from those days on, like, I was there. And there was a time um, a couple years back where I, I we went our ways. 
Uh, it wasn't the lack of work or anything like that, but he wanted to freshen it up and try a another person. And I was, you know, there's, there's no, there's no real contracts or, you know, legally binding <laughs> situations like that. It's just, you know, Hey, like, do you need me this month? No. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I sent, you know, I gave my best and I was like, Hey man, like, I know what I provide. I know that if there ever comes a time where you need something, just let me know. And from there it spawned on from freelance to freelance underground uh, and then galley. Uh, and then, you know, just the ball just started rolling. I started doing the ones in uh, South Bend for uh, RCW. Um, I started doing originally one of my first clients was Bruce City Wrestling uh, in Milwaukee. I when I was refing, I would do their stuff. So I had Bruce City Wrestling. Um, during in all this wrestling refing situation, I met a guy uh, from Australia. He came over, and so when he went back, I have gained three to four clients in Australia. Um, I have a client in the UK. I had over time two or three different clients in the in the UK. I was working for at the same time as all this other stuff. So, um, yeah, Nick, as you know, Nick just started the ball rolling. People saw freelance and were like, "Okay, you're doing stuff for him. This is a legit company." And then as freelance grew um you know i had people hit me up and i was always saying you know they want to see samples they want to see what i do and i'm like just look at freelance like and and that's been one of the biggest um you know situations where i can lead by example just like look at the freelance stuff everybody loves freelance not just us uh and that really makes uh, you know a big headspace i even did some work for warrior wrestling at at times mm -hmm. so i'm a i'm a uh as far as I'm worldwide, I'm really a Chicago, <laughs> Chicago guy. I think I have at one time almost everything covered. Um, so pretty amazing stuff. Now, it, it, like I say, if you've seen a show graphic or a poster for Chicago area show, there's a pretty good chance that Derek Sharp and Curtin Jerker Designs had a hand in it. And a lot of these are really, really cool. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's sometimes it's you're on your own creatively. Sometimes, um, you know, the company comes to me and says, Hey, we have this idea. Do you think you can pull it off? Uh, and it's always a challenge. Um, <laughs> it's always fun. It's always like, Hey, like this is outside the box thinking. Some of the ones that, uh, Freelance Underground had over the last couple of years have been really, <laughs> really pushing the envelope. And, you know, even, uh, the promoter will send me an email and he'll be like, Hey, I know this is going to be uh, a stretch for you, but I trust you. And, so far, I haven't let anybody down that I know of. Um, and like I said, it's not, there's not contracts. It's not a legal situation. Um, I'm just confident in, in what I do. And also confident with this being my nine to five job. You know, like I mentioned before, this is it. This is not something that I come home after a job, you know, I get home at nine or I mean, I get home at five and kind of put in a couple hours on this. Um, I'm up every day at three. I work from seven to seven. And, uh, you know, this is it. And I have never missed a deadline. Uh, you're getting quality. You're getting consistency, obviously, since I've been at it 10 years. So You mentioned Freelance Underground, and some of those posters are, are terrific. The, in fact, the first Freelance Underground show I attended was uh, Freelance Underground, What You Crave. That would believe that was October of 2019, and that was the White Castle menu motif, and that was yes. really, really cool. That was an awesome project, and we had a small little thing in there with um if you if you ever pull it up or you relook at it uh it's a menu like you said it's a menu board and there was uh under one of the headings it said snacks mm -hmm. and it was the it was a picture of laney and i forgot what the other details were uh the first draft promoter looked at it and goes i'm gonna have to get that cleared with laney i don't know if she's okay being called the snack and i'm like ah <laughs> and so He's like, yeah, Lainey's okay with it. And I messaged Lainey and she was like, no, that's like, that's totally awesome. It's okay. It's an acceptable term. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, it's not going to cause any trouble with me or anything like that. So it, projects like that, the Flyers are definitely a uh, cooperative group effort, you know, um, people on the Flyer. And <clears throat> I also look at things too, as uh, from my point of view, I don't know if a promoters think of it too, but I feel like you have to earn your way onto the Flyer. And the flyer can also be a reward for someone who's done good on the show or did good mm -hmm. in their matches or is a fan favored. You know, so many promoters, and I do work with one or two promoters still that if, you know, they like the person or if, you know, they don't put the person on the flyer, the person gets mad. And 
as much as this is a friend, a friend situation, you know, it's a business, mm -hmm. you know, people need to put on who they need to put on. I understand that this person might not be the greatest talent, but is a fan favorite. So we need to put them on the flyer and, st and stuff like that. But it is, like I said, it's a total group effort. And like I do, I, I have some companies that they want everyone on the flyer. I've had a flyer with 30 people and I get it. Like some of the bigger shows like Blizzard Brawl, like it's mm -hmm. such an action packed card. And there's so many people that you have to put, you know, that many people. It's their big show of the year, end of yeah. the year show. So Blizzard Brawl, something like that is not just Dave putting on his friends. It's, you know, these guys are, are, you know, hardworking and these guys are what's going to draw the fans in for this big end of the year show. And I mean, anyone who's seen those shows, knows you know dave knows what he's doing <laughs> and uh, those shows are so packed the last one we were talking about that i that you weren't able to make it out to god that was just a stacked card and yeah. the crowd was amazing and it's it's a good time it you know and a part of it too is you know it's the lineup of guys he had and the people and everything like that but it's also the marketing like a lot of people don't understand that the first thing you're going to see when it comes to a show is the flyer and if you see a fly, flyer as a fan and you look at it and you go, oh, that looks cool. We need to be there. That sells a ticket. Yep. Now, going back to my refing days, I was on a show in Ohio with uh, Demolition Axe. Nice. Great guy. Love Bill. Uh, we still talk to this day. But so we get to the show and it's our first show in Ohio. And we're like, we need to get Ohio off the map because, you know, I was with those kind of guys that want to get every state off the map, you know, like we want to be able to say we ref, ref or wrestled in all 50 states. So we get to Ohio, it's our first booking and he's there and he's, you know, we walk in the locker room and he's sitting there and it's about half an hour before bell time. And there's not like a crowd of people lining up on the outside. They didn't do like a meet and greet, like all this different stuff. And I went up to the promoter and I was like, Hey, like, did you properly promote the show? And he's like, well, like we had a guy in the flyer. Wasn't the best, but I didn't, you know, jump in. I was like, oh, okay. So about 10 minutes later, he comes up to me and my friends and he's like, hey, I will pay you half right now if you just turn around and go home. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, no, I'm like, we're here. We're going to wrestle. It's okay. He's like, I might not have all your money. I'm like, okay, I got that. But you know, we want to get Ohio off the list. So we're like, we're, no, we, we're here. We'll stay, you know, we'll be on the show. But doors opened up and at bell time, there was 10 people. And I'm looking there and I'm like, this is, you know, WWE Hall of Famer, like, or no, he's not Hall of Famer. Uh, should be. But it should be. Uh, that's a discussion for another day. But I'm like, it's demolition? I'm like, what's going on here? So like, you know, it started out with, in, in the grand scheme of things, wanting people to show up to shows where my friends were on and, you know, make sure that my friends have people to do their thing. You know, it's not to say that they give less of an effort in front of two people or three people, but when the house is packed and things are rocking, you can see some incredible stuff, you know, some really great matches and, uh, the, you know, wrestlers feed off that energy. So like I said, it's crazy that the flyer makes the show, but then the people on the card, also help so it's it's some days i'm like you know it's all them and some days i have to have that attitude to where it's like if i don't do a really good job on this flyer like people are going to not want to see what greatness is about mm -hmm. to happen so therein lies the pressure <laughs> therein lies the pressure and you know also like the wrestling world is a quick turnaround like shows on friday uh i have an email by saturday or sunday saying this is what we're doing for the next one so, you know, I've got regular, normal graphic designer friends that, you know, do projects and stuff. And they just don't understand where I'm like, hey, like I have an email on Monday, like it has to be there by Wednesday. And they're like, oh, we get like plenty of time. We get like weeks and weeks and drafts. And I'm like, like no, it's, it's not the way it works. Uh, car subject to change all the time. Uh, you know, one weekend, somebody could get hurt on a Friday and it's, you know, it's changing until Saturday. I've had uh, quite a few amount of times that if the show's on Saturday night and I'm redoing the flyer or updating something on a Saturday morning, uh, you know, that's just the way things are. So I'm accustomed to working under pressure. It, it's crazy, but it's wrestling. It kind of happens. 
Kind of a funny thing I want to circle back to. Um, you were mentioning that show in Ohio only had like 10 people there at bell time and you know the way guys have to go on and perform. I was talking to Pat Monix off the air about this, and I'll bring this to light a little bit. And we we're talking about, you know, certain size crowds and stuff like that. And he was saying when there are fewer people, you know, you really want to do your best to try to win those few people over. So maybe they spread out the word and, you know, you have to work, you may have to work a little harder to do so, but you know, it's still a satisfying experience. And then maybe those people will tell their friends next time you don't want to miss this show. Yeah, definitely. And it's another reason why Monix is uh, one of my favorite guys, both inside and outside the ring. Um, His mind for, for stuff like that really Mm -hmm. uh, separates him from a lot of different people out there right now. Um, but yeah, and you know, like some of the older guys, like you could tell Axe didn't want to really go all out. Uh, <laughs> he kind of gave us that the half face paint. <laughs> he didn't go full on, you know. He didn't put too much of an effort out there for for ten people. But yeah, it's, it's definitely you know the energy. You feel that energy, um, even as a ref, you feel the energy of of the crowd. It does help, and you know that is a great spin to put on on a, a situation like that with 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 what uh, with what Pat said. Um, you know, make a fan out of those few few people that are there. Uh, it just sucks that, like, you know, I I've seen some of the early stuff that Pat's been on in in some of those shows, and I'm just like, if more people could see this guy, like, mm-hmm. you know, more eyes were on him, it, things would happen. And that's the way it is for a lot of people. Uh, some of those shows that I refed with Nick's back in the day uh, were those smaller crowd, and uh, you know, they do their best to get up and you know get hyped up for the matches get up for the show and the people that are there and the people that are there really get a a big you know fun-filled match with things especially like with nicks and those guys like they were so underutilized for so many years they were always just you know the trainee kids uh you know we'd see them before the show and they were putting up the ring and you know to see where he's at now with things um he just needed a crowd of people to perform in front of and you met Nick's. I mean, this is a guy who even now I've seen it shows. He still helps with the breakdown of the ring. I mean, this is something he probably doesn't have to do at this point. He's probably graduated from that, but he's still out there kind of setting the example. He has. And there were times uh, before COVID hit that I went to freelance and he was like, Hey man, he's like the quicker the ring gets out of here, the quicker everyone gets paid and things get taken care of in the building and we can get out of here and go get some food and stuff. And um, you know, if, the uh the one who's responsible for all that stuff is is usually the guy in charge so if you see the guy in charge out there then you're like oh okay like i I, i've you know i better get out there and help with the ring and you know there have been some shows where i've gone as a fan as just a guest to go see my friends wrestle and i'll see that part of the the back behind the stage things where people are so tied up with just having a match and getting rested that they leave the ring there and i'm like like come on man like i'm not too big to you know, go hump the ring. Even if I'm not on the card, I'm just going to go help my friends out and hump in the ring and, and doing our part. It's, it's a lost art. Like a lot of people nowadays just want to, you know, kind of get their payday and head out the door. And the real ones, the real ones that were brought into this the right way, will still be out there humping rings. Uh, you know, I saw something about Jimmy Hart out there setting up chairs not too long ago. And I'm like, if oh, Jimmy Hart can set up label, chairs, I think, right. I think so. Yeah. Uh, if Jimmy Hart can be out there putting up chairs, guys, come on. There's no reason why he shouldn't be helping with the ring. Mm-hmm. And it's the cool thing about being part of Windy City Slam and having some of the access that I do is a lot of times I'll get there even before the doors open and I get in. I just observe things that are happening, like guys talking about their matches and stuff like that. And after and after the show, I don't leave like as soon as the last match is over. I hang out. I talk to people. I observe I do all kinds of stuff and it's really cool to see all the machinations that go into a show. It is. It's a lot of work, uh, you know, not to reveal the curtain too much, but it's right. sometimes if fans could just take a look at seeing uh, all the work during the week, all the work with, you know, booking talent and, and flights and info and this and that. Uh, I think the respect level would go up a hundred percent because it really is until you're back there and witnessing things and, seeing all that, that goes on, um, it, it's really a lot. Uh, I give it up for these promoters. I have done everything there is to do, both in the front and the back of a wrestling show, except for spend my own money on the show. I've booked people, I've ring announced, 
as a referee. I've actually had a couple of matches, which were horrible. But, uh, <laughs> well, it got to a point where I was enough of a trainee that I could put together a match. And my trainer was like, hey, like, let's let's have a couple of matches just to say that I trained someone that had a match. So, But they were horrible. I got my ass kicked. It was not <laughs> it was not a fun time. I don't think I got any offense in. But, you know, I've done everything there is to do. I've, you know, helped people put together shows and, and book talents and did ring announcing. And then in the back was an agent and helped put together stuff. And it really is a very strenuous, <laughs> strenuous activity of being in charge of stuff like that. And when I go to like the freelance shows or, you know, even freelance underground shows, like as much as I want to go up there and give Nick a hug and say, hey, man, how's it going? He's got a million things <laughs> going on at one time. You know, anytime I, I see James at a show, I always feel bad. I always kind of just, you know, hi, or I try to get there early so that I can take a couple of seconds. But even before the show, you know, he's got so much going on that just kind of like, I'll, I'll catch you up after the show um, type situations. Now let's talk a little bit about your ref days. You said you logged around 900 matches as a referee. Now, were there any crazy stories of being in the ring as a referee, ref bombs, accidents, you know, something weird, fans may be coming in? A couple come to mind. One up in BCW, Bruce City Wrestling up in Milwaukee. From time to time, Hornswoggle, while he was still active on the WWE roster, would show up at shows. Uh, first time he was there, I came through the curtain. I had made a mistake during the match and he looked at me and he just shook his head and walked away. I'm like, Oh God, I'm like horse hog was mad at me. And I went to my trainer and I was like, I did something wrong. Horse hog was pissed. And he pulled me aside and he was like, look, this during this and, you know, help, help me out with some tips. Uh, fast forward a couple of months later, I show up at the show. He sees me. And the first thing he says is how, 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 how do you still have a job? How are you not fired? Oh, so thanks. <laughs> Yes, I'm still around, and eventually it, it got to be a little bit of a warmer situation. But those first couple of times, he just looked at me and walk away and shake his head. And I'm just like, like, am I ever going to win this guy over? Maybe I should stop messing up because there were a couple of times where I've I've blown some spots and things didn't go as smoothly as possible. But that's one of them. So Hornswoggle giving me crap is always always a fun time. Also, Bruce City Wrestling, there was an angle where I think it was Hardcore Steve, possibly. Hardcore Steve, his tag partner, uh, came out to wreck havoc with a chair, and they were looking for a bunch of referees to go out there and stop him. And they're like, "You think you can help uh, come out here real fast and help stop this guy from swinging the chair and killing everybody?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's great, that's awesome." Um, so I was like, "Referee three. They're like, "Well, we'll just keep sending out referees until one of you calms him down." So first two referees take vicious chair shots. He swings a mean chair. Those guys, if anybody's an old school hardcore wrestling fan. Hardcore uh, Craig and his, his tag partner up there in Wisconsin were some uh, pretty bad dudes, not going to lie. So they're swinging chairs around. It's my turn. I'm like, I, you know, there's three referees laid out. I'm like, oh, great. Let me go see what I can do here. So as I go to tap him on the shoulder to be like, hey, man, like, let's put this chair down. Like, let's get to the back. He comes flying at me, swinging at me to hit me in the head with a chair. Okay. And now, if you're ever up at the Elks Lodge in Wisconsin up there for BCW, all the chairs have a cushiony pad on the bottom part of the seat where you sit so that mm -hmm. you're not on metal. Well, as he goes to swing the chair, that cushiony pad where I'm pretty sure I was going to get blasted with slides to the left. And I take a shot to expose steel. Yeah. And I uh, am loopy for a good amount of time. I tried not to play it off. And obviously he came and checked on me later on and was like, hey, are you okay? Like, I was expecting that pad to be there, so he was bringing it. And, you know, like I said, those guys are, are, are big guys. So, yeah, I, you know, took a sting, and I, I had a moment right afterwards where I was like, I don't know where I'm at, but it happens. And now, and you know, considering where we are with, you know, concussion protocol and all that stuff, it would have never flown. Uh, <laughs> but this was, you know, back in 2007, 2008, and, you know, those guys were recklessly safe. Uh, but still that that was a fun time i was loopy for the rest of the show and uh <laughs> i kept I, I i didn't realize i had so many friends come check on me until something like that happens everybody seems to kind of check in on me and make sure i'm okay and i was like yeah i'm good and uh, inside my mind i'm like oh, i don't want to be like i'm the 
you know, I'm a little dizzy right now, but it, it, was, a, it was a good shot. So taking that shot to the head was interesting. You know, Hornswoggle was giving me crap, so it's a good time. I saw him later on at a, at another show, and he it was years later after I was already back to doing flyers, and he kind of remembered me. He's like, I used to give you shit. You were a ref. And I'm like, yes, I was a ref. <laughs> uh, I mean, those crazy times like that, really more blessed to be with a group of guys that actually didn't want to just stay local. Um, you know, I was talking to you earlier about it. I was in a group of guys that were hungry, that were trying to make a name for themselves. None of them lasted. I think maybe one or two of them might still be wrestling. But uh, yeah, it, it, you could fall in with a group of people that are content and, you know, can work your normal, you know, two weekends a, a month kind of situation where it's not too far and travel's not too bad. But these guys, we went to Carolina, to Texas, you know, up and down the coast. So I was really, like I said, I'm just blessed that I actually was able to do that many matches, you know, close to 900 in a span of six years. It's not bad. And, you know, the road stories, uh, sleeping in cars and all that fun stuff just comes along with it. Some days I miss that stuff. Some days I miss that. And then some days I'm like, I'm not that young. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> and to be, you know, squashed in the back of a, a Nissan with like six people and you're just like stuck like this and, and whatnot. And, you know, also, you know, there's the dangers of that too. You know, one time I had a situation where the driver fell asleep at the wheel. Oh, uh, yeah. And we winded up flipped over uh, in the ditch. Yeah. So off of that, I still have some type of PTSD from from you know, that situation. We also had a time where we went to pick up the ring in Chicago. It was in the storage unit in Chicago. We had to bring it back to Indiana. When we got there to hook up the ring, the trailer and ring were heavier than the car. So... We drove home on two wheels because the weight of the trailer was so heavy. Oh, my gosh. And uh, so imagine being on two wheels in a Bronco uh, in Chicago traffic at five o'clock as the 18 wheelers are zooming by you like this. And you're oh swerving God, because yeah. you can't. So those are the fun adventures that you don't want to have happen. Uh, and still, like I said, I still get nervous when we go to Chicago and the 18 wheelers are zooming by. And I'm just like, like, ah. Oh. But you take the good with the bad. Um, you know, like I said, I'm fortunate to get to work with all these great companies. I made a post on my Facebook page. If anybody wants to go check it out uh, a couple of days ago, I didn't really do a lot for this for Christmas this year. Uh, kind of low key situation where, you know, I wasn't really feeling it. But at the same time, it's like I'm lucky and I'm blessed to be working with these people every day. Every day to me is like Christmas. You know, like, you know, some of the people we talked about, Dave and James and Nick and, you know, Frankie and Bruce City and those guys who entrust me with their company's promotional stuff really means a lot. And like, I wake up and I get to do what I do. Like, <laughs> it's wrestling, man. It's like, you know, it's, every day you wake up and it's not an inconvenience for someone to email you and say, hey, like, can you change this? Like, I'm one of the few persons or companies that I know that, you know, this is my real job. This is it. I, I know a lot of people do graphics. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. I keep my rates pretty fair. And like I said, it's, it's, it just grew out of my love for wrestling. It really has. And it's taken me everywhere and, and beyond. And hopefully next year I do some traveling. Uh, I want to hit up Australia and go meet all those companies that I work for in person. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of connections I've made over the years that I've kind of like know people, but I don't cause I've never met them in person kind of situation. Some really great stories. And I love the fact that you could do this from nine to five or seven to seven, as you say, every day is your real job and not have to go to a, a place of work and then have to come home and do all this stuff. I, really, really cool. Yeah. And then, like I said, it just came from, it, I didn't have this like 10 year plan that it's going to be a thing. And I also, I think a, a, a big success to what I do is that the first two years, it wasn't, it was, everything was free. It wasn't a, Bunny grab, it wasn't, you know, like I need this to do this and that. I set the first two years, no expectations, money. I did it to prove that I'm constant with things. I'm dependable. And the work, if you're if you're good at anything you do is podcasting. It's, uh, you know, your nine to five job. If you're good, the opportunity is going to be there. The money is going to come. And I actually, with all that said, I started working for a comic book company a comic book store and a chain of 
franchises of comic books and and pops and all that kind of collectible stuffs uh, about a year or two before the pandemic hit and through them they always they would have wwe superstars come into the store and do signings and through that you know that opportunity i got to do graphics for roman reigns alexa bliss matt riddle and stuff like that that all had to be approved by wwe so you know it was a really cool thing like uh, you know, he would take pictures of them si- at the signings. And what I would do is I not only would I do the online graphics for the marketing, but he'd always have me do a custom eight by 10. And if the person came in to meet somebody and didn't have something to get signed, he'd give them the eight by 10 for free and be like, here, you have this signed. So like some of those people that I worked with indirectly, but directly, uh, you know, to say that my stuff has been in front of WWE, at least in front of somebody who had to approve it. Is, is a nice thing to say. You know, I did some stuff for the TV series Glow. Oh, with, okay. Yeah, so uh, if you remember, John Morrison was on there. Yep. And he had a small part. When they started doing press junkets for that, they had everyone on the cast had an 8 by 10 but John, because his part wasn't big enough. So he was like, hey, like, can you get together and do some type of 8 by 10 collage that I can take to these Glow events for Netflix and hand out and so like working indirectly, but working directly with people like that. It's it's funny, as you probably have learned in one way, shape or form, everyone is connected. You know, if you know this person, this person knows that person. And, and the degrees of separation in wrestling is <laughs> astonishingly, it's not that far apart, you know. So to be in the wrestling world and, and whatnot is you know, a, a very blessed opportunity for a lot of people. It's a game changer. It's a life changer. And for anybody out there that's listening, if you ever did want to get into this, you know, prove your worth, prove that you are bringing something to the table that someone might not. At In the beginning, I had no money to help promote myself or show my stuff. All I had was my time and effort. And, you know, that is paying off now down the road. I'm not going to say I'm an overnight success because it's taken 10 years, but I feel pretty successful and I feel pretty lucky. And if there's, like I said, if there's anyone out there that wants to try to get on into this whole deal, uh, one, I would love to help out uh, and pay it forward and help out anybody that I could with design work. I, I also think it's a very vital part of a show, but doesn't get talked about as much as, <laughs> as much as it should. Um, Absolutely. And, and that's why I start. I wanted to do more of these. Uh, I want to get on here and explain to people what I not only what I do and the companies I work for, but a little bit of awareness. And, you know, it's like the chicken and the egg situation. Uh, you know, which came first? Are the people going because the flyer looks cool, or is it because of the talent? Is it the talent because the flyer pops and you know makes you go, "Hey, that's a show we have to see." So. It's crazy, man. And like I said, I will work with with your budget. I work with smaller companies that you know might not have enough, and and that's just for my love, for the fact that I want my friends to have someone to wrestle in front of. That's you know, it's all it is. You know, we talked about it earlier. If there's a way I can help, you know, podcasters, graphics is, you know, it, it's a thing too. I work with some podcasters, and you know, I worked with the comic book guy. You know, so in any type of advertising and marketing, I from time to time even get to do DVD covers, which I didn't, you know, I don't know how many people still buy DVDs, but yep. I, didn't, I didn't know that was a thing still. <laughs> All right, Derek, before we let you go, uh, go ahead and promote your social media and then let everybody know how do folks get in touch with you for graphics work? That is an interesting question. Uh, so on Twitter, someone stole my name. So it, instead of Curtain Jerker Designs, it's Curger Designs, C-U-R-J-E-R Designs. Curtain Jerker Designs on Instagram, uh, also on Facebook. I don't know if any of you older people still like Facebook, but I, I seem that's where all the old people are, more or less. We do have a TikTok. It is CurtainJerkerDesigns.com. I am horrible at that thing, but I do post from time to time. And uh, our website, CurtainJerkerDesigns.com, uh, there's actually a contact form on there, or you can email me, Derek, at CurtainJerkerDesigns.com. That's about it. And like I said, if you're a promoter or company and, you know, you need to mix it up, not to say that, you know, you might not have a person or you have a person and you're not happy with them. I can definitely freshen things up. Uh, it's good from time to time to also, you know, mix it up. I, I have worked for companies also that 
we have a few different designers on staff, you know, and we each have our part. This is a team thing. It takes a team to put on an effort with a lot of effort to put on an event. As Mike is now starting to learn as he's getting that backstage access, there's a lot of moving parts from referees to talent to promoters. Uh, and as smooth as everyone works together to bring it together, it's really a shame that it's only one night. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's only a few hours a night to see everything pay off. And I, I always would tell the my main promoter that, I, that broke me in, take a breath. Take a minute and try to enjoy it because it's pretty crazy that, you know, a team effort like that translates into an event where there's, you know, people are having fun. It's a blast. It's a good time. So any promoters out there, take a second to soak it in because life does move pretty quickly, man. All right, Derek, thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Mike. You have a good one. Really fun conversation with Derek Sharp of Curtain Jerker Designs. Great graphic artist, but told us a lot of stories of when he was a referee and when he tried to be a wrestler and some of the other things he's done in the business too to help out here and there. So this guy has done a little bit of everything in this business. And if you see one of those awesome flyers for, say, for Freelance or Freelance Underground, for instance, or even for Bruce City Wrestling, you can thank... Derek Sharp of Curtain Jerker Designs, a very sharp guy, pun intended, and he's a really good dude. All right, next week on Windy City Slam Podcast, we're going to talk a lot of action from this past weekend and recap all of that great stuff. Plus, we're going to preview Chicago-style wrestling and freelance wrestling's big shows next weekend. And we haven't finalized the guest yet, but we're pretty close. And I'm going to give a small clue. It's another women's wrestler. And she usually wrestles for CSW. So fingers crossed we finalize that. And she will be on with us next week. And you can catch all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. So long, everybody. So long, everybody.